Um, again, I just want to echo what Todd said. Thank you so much for your hospitality, your, um, your, uh, your spirit of honor, and also your spirit of excellence. I mean, all of you have been so precious. And I, I'm, I, I truly believe that the Lord has started something between this area and Georgia. I mean, let's just take it all the way up the East Coast. Amen. We go places and, and, and we know when we feel an immediate connection, just boom, immediate connection, something's birthed. And we feel that with you uh, here in this area. Um, your, your pastors and your leaders uh, have walked with us. There has, there's never been opposition. Like, we're not sure of that. We're not sure of that. Everything has been, let's just go with the Lord. Let's just go with what God is doing. And I always say that uh, as long as your leadership is moving forward, the Lord doesn't have to tear that wall down. He doesn't have to bust through all those hurdles. Because if you've got leadership moving forward, everybody else can just pile in right behind, and then there is a move of God. Amen? And I'll say this, and I'm going to turn it back over to Todd so he can introduce Pastor Marty. Korea in October. Pray. We're going to Korea in October. And I just keep hearing the word nation, like the whole nation, like something's going to happen in the whole nation. And, and I don't know what that looks like. I mean, what is a bunch of people from Georgia doing going to Korea? And so I'm afraid that the interpreter won't be able to interpret because, I mean, we speak English, tongues, and hillbilly. And so I don't know if you can interpret hillbilly. And so, uh, but I, I honestly believe that, that something is going, to, is going to happen on that trip. I know many of you may have family there. You've got friends there. You've got connections there. You've got heritage there. You've got lineage there. Pray. Pray for that endeavor because we're going in faith, believing that all the gifts of the Spirit are going to be in operation. All we have is the Holy Spirit. That's all we have, but that's all we need. Amen? God bless you guys. Thank you so much. All right. I want to take a moment, as Pastor Q said, I want to talk about these resources. I've got this one plus one more of this book right here called Word Power. So I only have two, so make sure you grab that out there, Bible Promise Book. And so um, grab that. You may want to give that to Michaela. 40 Days Book, which is great to help you in your consistency in Bible study. We give this to every new believer in our congregation. Um, Take advantage of that. Pastor Q was talking about he sat down. Grab this book. I only have, you may have gotten, I don't know how many more copies are out there, probably just about five to ten of these left. So get those. Uh, fight if you have to, but don't leave without that. And um, and then this one he sent him on the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us in this room needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in new tongues. Can I get an amen right there? I read today a medical report that that per, a person who speaks in tongues, validated by the University of Pennsylvania. A person who speaks in tongues boosts their immune system 30 to 35 percent. They did a study that when you pray in tongues, it releases something apart in your brain that allows your immune system to increase. I just found the study out. It's absolutely incredible. Not from a Christian doctor or, or, or I should say a Christian school, but from the University of Pennsylvania. That's why the Bible says that 
in, in Jude 20 that uh, I pray that your soul will prosper as, or your body will prosper as your soul prospers. And he says you build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. Grab this book. That statistic's not in this book, uh, but I'm releasing another book probably in about 30 days called Tongues, Your Secret Weapon. So you can be looking for that. So grab those. Uh, thank you so much. And let's take that other, let's just take those outside if you would. Wow, what an honor I have to be able to introduce a very dear friend of mine. I've known Pastor Marty Derricott for 26 years and his family, Miss Paula. I was there at the birth of their children, Madison and Carson. They love the Lord with all their heart. You'll see Madison on the ISN network. She helps lead our worship. Uh, she's the beautiful, skinny girl. They're all beautiful and skinny. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm plumpy. They're beautiful and skinny. You know, how old is she? 23, 24, 22. They look like her mother. Thank God. Um, they have a full, they have full locks of hair. Pastor Marty is hair deprived. He needs an anointing for hair like I do. But, um, was there when they were born, saw them get saved, and uh, both of them on our worship team and serving. A lot of the pictures that you see, Carson took those pictures, photographer, um, very artistic. But anyway, uh, what you see, Pastor Marty in the pool, when you see him ministering, you, he is that way 24-7. As consistent as they come, a man that uh, not only preaches the gospel, but lives the gospel and protects and guards the anointing on his life. It is my privilege to introduce a dear friend of mine um, that we are at war together in the trenches, locking arms with our wonderful church family, Christ Fellowship, and the North Georgia Revival Churches, but also Hope Church, Rock Church, WWF Church, and all the other churches in this area. What God has started will only continue. Would you stand to your feet? Help me welcome Pastor Marty Derricott to the platform tonight. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Before you're seated, before you're seated, before you're seated, come on now. I didn't die for you. I didn't spill my blood for you. I didn't walk to a cross and, and go up on a mountain called Calvary to to be crucified for you. There is one name. That's the reason we came. You didn't come to hear a man. You didn't come to hear a worship team or to join a ministry. You came because you heard Jesus was here and that he could move in power in your life and in your family and in your business and everything you put your hands to. So can we just take just a moment and lift our hands and just call on one name. Can you just whisper the name Jesus? Jesus. Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is, Jesus. What a powerful name. Jesus, the Lamb of God, Lily of the Valley, bright and morning star, Jesus, the risen one, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus. It's for you we came. Name above all names, we worship you, we honor you, we adore you. We thank you that you came to meet with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Can we put that picture of my wife back up over here? I want you to see Miss Paula. We'll hold off on that picture for a while, but uh, 
all the men, can I just see a wave of hands of the men, the young men who are single, let's do that, the single men, you just wave at me, yeah, yeah, this is proof right here, you don't have to be attractive, you just have to be anointed, God will send you somebody like that, if you could just pray and seek the face of God, he will send you someone like that, oh my goodness, my daughters did get all the looks from my wife, Uh, thank God, that's a beautiful thing. And uh, she wished that she could be here. Uh, she still has a, a job, like I said, secular job. And we're believing that uh, by the end of the year, she can step away and join us with full-time ministry and help partner with us for the rest of our days. And, uh, what a beautiful thing that would be. So what a spirit of excellence is on this, this entire DMV revival, not just one church or one person, but the whole across the board, as Pastor Todd, Pastor Karen said, just an, a, a level that's up here of excellence and honor, and we're very grateful. We're, we're, just, uh, we're just so grateful and honored to be here, to be a part of this, and so thank you so much. Thank you, each and every one, and he's going to meet with us again in the water tonight. I don't know if you came to be baptized or not, if you planned on it or not. It doesn't matter. Sometimes he just moves during the worship and says, yep, tonight's your night, or sometimes he moves during the Word, and during the Word he's beginning to speak to you and say, yep, tonight's your night, or It may be while others are being baptized, but just be open to what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say to you about that. And some people have asked, you know, why do we get baptized more than one time? You know, what's the purpose of that? And we just, our reply is that he's meeting people in the water. He chose that. We didn't. We didn't choose that. We've been baptizing people for, you know, 26 years ago in a Baptist church. We were baptizing them. So it's nothing that we've done different. It's just this time he's moving in such an incredible way because he's God and he can. And it's just an extension of the altar. And so um, we believe tonight that he is, he's waiting on us to get in that water. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, if you go to Judges chapter 16 this evening, we'll try to be brief with our words so we can get to the, the time of ministry in the altar and, and the time of baptism. But he's here. He is here. It's kind of funny that uh, almost 30 years ago, uh, I stepped away from college, the university level. I was in college, and they are back home in Georgia. And um, my advisor met with me, and, and she began to say, hey, Marty, we need to go ahead and get you into a speech class because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's there, and you, you're going to need it. And I said, oh, no, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come to college to do that. I, I don't do that. And she said, well, you have to have the speech class to graduate, so you might as well go ahead and get it out of the way. I said, no, you don't understand. I didn't, do, I didn't speak publicly in middle school or high school, and I'm sure not going to pay you my hard-earned money to embarrass myself in front of anybody. She said, you have to have it to graduate. And I said, okay, well, I quit. And I walked away that day, and I never returned because of a fear of public speaking. 1993, gave my life to Christ in the Baptist church. Pastor Todd, Pastor Karen were leading there in Georgia. Fell in love with Jesus. I, I fell in love with what he did for me and the purpose that he provided for me. And in 1999, I heard that our church was going on a missions trip to Bogota, Colombia. And I'd never been on a missions trip. I had a fear of flying too. I thought if the car was on the ground, then why would I need to fly? It's safer on the, on the ground. But I wanted to go on this missions trip Honestly, to, to just fulfill the scripture, go into all the world. 
That's all I wanted to do. It was, it was in my heart to please the Lord, and if he asked us to go, then I wanted to please him. And so when he said, go into all the world, I said, okay, I'll do that. I agreed to go on this missions trip, raise my money. Two weeks before we're supposed to go, a young man comes up to me, and he says, I think I have a prophetic word for you. I said, okay, what's that? And I was getting all excited. And he said, the Lord has told me that you're not supposed to go on that missions trip. True story. I said, what do you mean? He said, you don't get it, do you? I said, no, I don't, evidently. He said, your name Marty. Martyr. Don't go on that missions trip because you won't come back home. You'll, if you go on that missions trip, you'll die there. They'll kill you. This was to Bogota, Colombia, where the militants, the guerrillas, uh, you know, the, the militant group were capturing people and holding them for ransom. And then if they didn't get the money, they would kill them. He said, if you go, I believe I've got a prophetic word. If you go, you won't come back. You'll die there a martyr because your name is a prophetic statement over your life. And fear set in immediately. And uh, thank God for a, another believer who is spirit-filled. And I was walking down the hallway from that conversation, and he said, what is wrong with you? You are white as a sheep. You're white. And I said, well, I'm pale. I'm a white man anyway, pretty pale. He said, come here. He said, what is it? And I told him the story. And he said, no, in Jesus' name. He began to pray over me and break that. Well, I go on that missions trip. And the first part of Mark says, go into all the world, which I wanted to do. But if you keep reading, it says, and preach the gospel. So when I got there, one of the men who was leading the missions trip came back to my seat on the bus as we're heading to the, to the next city. And he said, hey, tomorrow we start the preaching part of the schedule and the Lord told me that you're going to be first up. I said, oh, no. Oh, no. He said, yeah, I was up there praying, and the Lord said, you're going to preach first. I said, well, you missed it. I didn't come for that. And he said, I know, but the Lord's already told me. So get a word ready, and he went and sat down. I was fearful that whole day, fearful that night, couldn't sleep, stomach upset. Oh, God, send the rapture. Come back now. The next day, stood up in a park with a bullhorn and an interpreter, in Bogota, Colombia, I preached my first message. It went about seven minutes, I think. <laughs> but at the end, when I said, if anybody's, if you're here and, and these words of mine, you know, did anything, if you want to receive this same Jesus, then pray this prayer and let's commit our lives to him and let him in a prayer. And about 80 hands went up in that park that day of thousands of people. And the moment I saw hands go up, the Lord spoke to me. I heard it in here, not with my ear, but in here. I heard the Lord say, this is what you'll do the rest of your life. I've never turned back. Since then, went to three years of ministry training center back home and, and uh, was able to fulfill. I got my, I guess, my college experience there in a, in a greater way. And so now uh, we've, we've never turned back. It's always been full-time ministry in some capacity. 18 years as a youth pastor and now as an executive pastor there at Christ Fellowship Church. And so uh, what, a, what an absolute honor to stand up and do what, what my greatest fear was in the flesh. People ask me all the time, how, how are you able to do that and not be nervous? I said, well, I am. My knees still knock and my hands get sweaty and my throat closes up. But I say, hey, Lord, if you would, can I just die right here in this moment and you speak through me? That'd be, that'd be pretty awesome if you let that happen. And so tonight, anything I say that's good and of, uh, that resonates with you, it's from him. Anything I say that's weird and offbeat, that came from me in my flesh. So Judges chapter 16 if you're there, let's read verse, um, starting in verse 4. The Bible says, After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. This is a story of Samson. 
Judges 16 verse 4 says, After this he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, referring to Samson, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may empower him that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that no one could subdue you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound Samson with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber. And she said to him, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you, but he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Verse 10, Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, "Um, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with a pin, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into a web. Then she made them tight with the pen and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away pen, the loom, and the web. And she said to him, How can you say you love me? I thought you loved me. When your heart is not with me. You've mocked me three times now. And you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day after day after day after day, and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all in his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come again, for he has told me all in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came to her, brought her the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees. Samson is now asleep on her knees. Samson has fallen asleep on her knees. Be careful where you put your head. Be careful where you let your head go. Be careful where you let your head go and where you let your mind go. He fell asleep on her knees. She she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out at other times, just as other times, and I will shake myself free. Watch this. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines, they seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to to grow again after it was shaved. Now skip on down to verse 25. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call for Samson that he may entertain us. So they called for Samson out of the prison and and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which this house rests. 
that I may lean up against them. Now the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines was there on the roof. There were about 3,000 men and women who looked on Samson while he entertained them. I feel like most churches today just entertain. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh God, Lord God, please remember me. Oh God, remember me. Verse 29, And Samson grabbed the two pillars on the house in which they rest, and he leaned his weight against them, and his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all of his strength, and the house fell upon all the lords of the Philistines. So that day he killed more on that one day. Samson killed more on that one day than he killed his entire life. On one day, more of the enemy of God died on one day than his entire life. Now, you don't have to turn there. Let me read Luke chapter 23, verse 32 through 43 very quickly. Listen to this. Don't turn there. Luke 23. Two others were criminals. They were led away to be put to death. And when they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified with Jesus. One on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. The people stood watching. The soldiers mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who hanged railed at him and said, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. But the other one, the other criminal, rebuked the other and said, Do you not fear God? You're under the same sentence of condemnation. We are receiving our just penalty for we are guilty, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he turned to Jesus and he says, Remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him. Truly I say today. You will be with me in paradise. Samson in Judges 16. He says oh Lord. Remember me. Luke 23. One of the criminals. He was on the cross. Right beside Jesus. Said two words. Remember me. Tonight if you're taking notes. If you're one of those who take notes. I encourage you to. Not because of anything I say. But because paper never forgets. You might hear something that you're like, hey, that was good. And you'll walk out of here and you'll forget it. You're like me. But paper never forgets. Two words just right at the top. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It brings correction and instruction. But God, tonight, would it bring revelation and transformation into our lives. We honor you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember me. Remember me. I remember as a youth pastor when I was uh, just starting in youth ministry in 2001 um, in, in a little town called Cumming, Georgia. I was there as the youth pastor, and I was supposed to do it for about two weeks. And uh, they told me, if you'll do youth ministry for two weeks, we will find someone to replace you. We just don't have anybody right now. If you can do it for two weeks, that'd be awesome. Just buy some pizza, play some games, read a scripture, and then go home. Just do it for two weeks. We'll get somebody to replace you. That was 18 years ago. Just transitioned into the executive role. But it was a couple of kids in our youth ministry that very first night that we started in youth ministry in 2001. Well, in 2006, we had transitioned. 2007, we had transitioned into another church. And we'd left the church we were at in Cumming, Georgia. And, and um, we were doing this big uh, retreat, a youth retreat. We ended up going to a little place called Dollywood in Tennessee. A little amusement park place, water park place, if you've ever heard of it. It's 
very fun for those who love water rides. I hate it because I don't do water rides, but anyway. Um, so we were there, and I just thought since I don't like rides, uh, back then I didn't like rides. I kind of do now, but I didn't back then, and I definitely didn't, didn't do water. Didn't do water. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? I didn't do water back then, and I didn't do rides. And so now, here I am in Dollywood, and I've got my clipboard, and I've got my, you know, my little white lifeguard uh, sunscreen on my nose, and, and I was just going to direct that day. I was going to let other youth leaders and all the students go and take over the park and and have fun, and I was going to stand in the middle and kind of patrol with my whistle and make sure that they were in the buddy system, you know, two at a time and, and all that fun stuff because I didn't want to do all that water slide stuff. And all of a sudden, man, out of nowhere, some kids are walking by, and I'm checking on them. Yep, I just got them. They're good. They're still here. They're safe. And all of a sudden, this girl comes comes running by. She zips by, and I thought she was one of ours. And I was like, hey, beep, beep, blowing my whistle. I said, like, get back over here. Are you one of the kids in our group? She's like, no, I'm not. But I was in your first youth group when you were in coming Georgia. I was like, oh, I remember, I remember. She said, do you remember me? I was like, yeah, I do. She said, hey, what are you guys doing here? So we told them, and, uh, and she goes, well, hey, there's a ride on the back of the park. It's called the Big Bear Plunge. How about you and I go ride that thing? I was like, no, nah, I can't because I've got my clipboard, my nose, sunscreen. I'm kind of like on duty, you know, and I can't really do that. She's like, oh, come on, it'd be so much fun. I'm like, uh, whatever. Water rides, I don't want any part of it. She's like, oh, come on, are you chicken? So let me tell you something, little punk. You might be 13, but I, I said, no, no, I'm not chicken. I just don't want to, you know, I can't leave my post. And she's like, chicken, chicken. Pastor Mary's a chicken. I'm like, ah, you're funny. Shut up. I'm going to punch you. She's like, chicken, chicken. And now I've got like 14 kids standing around going, he's chicken. He's chicken. Pastor Marty's chicken. Chicken, chicken, bop, bop, bop. I'm like, hey, stop it, you bunch of goons. What are you doing? Now I've got this crowd of people around going, what's this, what's this talk about? Well, Ma- Pastor Marty's scared to get on the big bear plunge. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And this little girl's like, you remember me. You should ride with me. If you remember me, you should ride with me. I'm like, oh, no, no. So my wife, Paula, y'all saw her in the picture. She walks by and she's like, Marty, what is going on? Can you not get these kids and do your job? I'm like, yes, I can do my job. But they won't stop. Tell them to stop and go away. They want me to ride this big bear plunge and I don't want to. And she's like, and I'm thinking she'll encourage me and tell them all to, you know, shoot. She's like, well, you can do it. I can do your job. It's nothing. I said, babe, I love you. I love you. No. She's like, you can do it. Just go. I've got it. She's grabbing the clipboard and taking the whistle off. And I'm getting nervous, y'all. I begin to sweat because I don't know what this ride's about. I'm like, babe, no. Defend me. She's like, just go ride it. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, they say. So we start walking with this little entourage of people like, he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And this little girl going, he remembered me, he's going to ride with me. We get all the way back to the back of the park. There's weeds growing up, graffiti all over everything. Nobody else is back there but me and this little girl and about five people that would dare to make the trek 18 miles back in this deserted piece of the park that I thought was shut down. And then here's a couple of leaders in this. It's terrible. We go back there and they're like, I said, where's the ride? And they said, oh, it's right there. That is not, that is not the ride. This is, yes, it is. And this little girl goes, I'll see you up there, and takes off. 72 flights of stairs. I'm going, I'm exaggerating this a little bit. It was 71. So I'm running up trying to catch her. I get to the third flight. I'm like, Jesus, don't make me die here on this ride. I get all the way up to the top of the ride. I'm thinking, okay. 
just be safe. I get up there. Y'all, I can see California, Canada. I'm looking around going, my God in heaven, I'm above. The clouds are below me. They're below me. I'm holding on to the rail. This little girl's just running around. <laughs> I said, slow down. You're going to fall and die. I'm holding the rail, walking around this thing. And this girl's like, I'm going. Ah! And she went straight off the ride. I'm like, the devil is alive. Now's my time of escape. And I started to walk back down and, and I heard a voice. So you're not going to do it? I said, yes, Lord, I'll do it if it's you. It was a lifeguard. She's 14. She's 100 pounds. 100 pounds. She's 14 and 100 pounds. A lifeguard on the way top of this ride. I said to myself, if I were to die up here and have a heart attack, what are you going to do? You can't drag my big old self down this thing. What are you going to do? She's 100 pounds going, just go ahead. Just go. Just go. I'm like, no, I'm not going. She goes, that's the only way down. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm a man of God. I can do this. I can do this. Start praying in the Spirit. Didn't do anything for my, for my fear. Helped my immune system. <laughs> but it, did, but, but it did. didn't do anything for my fear. So I get over there to the rail. I'm like, oh my, I could not. You can't see the slide. I promise you. All you can see is the silver rail and straight out into nothing. I'm telling the truth. They tell me the ride is like 170 feet tall or something like that. It's, it's called the Big Bear Plunge. I said, all right, I got this. I'm doing it. If I die, I die. I'll be with Jesus. <laughs> I'm counting myself now. One, two. I can't do this. Bah. One, two. And the lifeguard's like, you can do it. I said, shut up. Stop talking to me. Leave me alone. In Jesus' name. I said, one, two. And what they didn't tell me is, Right before you go off the ride, there's this big gush of water that comes up over you to help you get down the ride faster. <laughs> so I said, one, two. <clears throat> water went, it's like a fire hose. Hit my uvula, knocked my uvula numb. I couldn't taste. I, <clears throat> I swelled up like a blowfish. <clears throat> water all, uh, I'm gagging, I'm falling. 170 something feet or whatever. I'm gagging. I can't see anything. I can't feel. I came off the ride. It's a free fall. I'm like, it's not a water slide. It's a free fall to death. Can't call it a water slide. I hit, I hit the bottom. You would think they'd put an Olympic sized pool to catch you. There's a six foot casket waiting for you. Six foot pool of water. I hit it. I got out. <coughs> I am like choking. I'm dying. I can't hear because water went up my nose, down my throat, and in my ears. I can't hear. Oh. And then all of a sudden I hear. <laughs> and it got louder and louder. It was a laugh. And I. I I could finally open my eyes and see, and now there's a crowd of people. And they're all pointing and laughing. My wife is like, everybody's. I'm like, what is so funny? Me dying, and all of a sudden, I got this breeze. Like, whoa. 
what was that breeze coming through right there? I felt this rush of wind. I got a shiver. I was like, hmm. And I looked. And y'all, when I got on the ride, I promise I had on swimming trunks. Those things had wrapped around my head like a turban. Worst day of my life. And it started with, hey, remember me? I'm like, find that girl. Find that girl. She's not going home. She's going to die at Dollywood. Uh, any youth pastors in the room? One. Quit now. Just go ahead and quit. <laughs> Tell me you want to do something else. Janitor, custodian, put me doing anything else. I'm just kidding. I respect you. 18 years of youth ministry. You have my heart. We are, we are living in a day where I, I just feel like the church, the church is at a place where like Samson, we have lost the spirit of God. We have lost the power of God and we didn't even know it. I feel like the church, more today, you can't experience revival because we're so content with survival. Doing the same things we've always done, getting the same results we've always gotten. That's the definition of insanity. You understand that, right? Doing the same thing you've always done, expecting a different result, that's called insanity. But yet that's the church. Every Once a week, twice a week, three times a week, we come in, we do the same thing over and over, and there's no transformation. And so I just have a couple of notes I, I, I wrote down. I'd just love to share with you from my heart. Uh, I know in this revival that we've been a part of for the last 16 months or whatever, uh, it, it's an amazing move of God that I, I'm grateful to be a part of, never dreamed we'd be a part of, but we are. And, uh, and several people ask all the time, you know, uh, it was asked today, what do you, how do you keep yourself, you know, kind of humble in this revival? Well, it's easy. We go back home to our church. We go back home to normality. We go back home to, you know, somebody still got to mop the floor. Somebody still got to bag the trash. Somebody, listen, the revival was never for status. It was always for service. Revival was never for status. It's always for service. That's why he sends revival, so you can serve. So be careful when you pray for revival to know what you're praying for. Service. It's going to cost you everything. That's why we're in the water. I say, hey, you know, Jesus is only asking one thing from you. One thing. What Jesus asked one thing from, from you. You know what it is? Everything. Everything. I love this right here. A.W. Tozer said this. Modern Christianity has been watered down until the solution is so weak that if it were poison, it wouldn't hurt anyone. And if it were medicine, it wouldn't cure anyone. Listen to that. Modern Christianity has been so watered down until the solution is so weak that if it were poison, it wouldn't hurt anyone. And if it were medicine, it wouldn't cure anyone. Revival comes at a cost. His presence comes at a cost. His glory is released at a cost. Jesus said, count the cost. We, have to, we had to set ourselves in a, I believe, in a posture of Lord, we just don't want to receive. We want to retain. Don't, don't just let us receive something like a visitation. Just 
just come and leave and come and leave. Don't, don't just let us receive something. Let us retain something. Big difference. I wrote this down just talking about revival for just a moment, then we'll get back to remember me. But I, talk, uh, I wrote this, this down even today as I was in my, my room. Isolation is the breeding ground for a visitation that leads to a transformation until your life becomes a place of habitation. Isolation is the breeding ground. Getting yourself alone with Him. Getting yourself alone in your prayer closet. Getting yourself down to an altar where it's just you and you lay on your face before God. Isolation is the breeding ground for a visitation that leads to transformation until your life becomes a habitation. Many people at the revival will manifest in different ways. You saw it in the water last night. People manifest differently and that's awesome. But since day one, I've said... Many others have said, a manifestation without transformation is an abomination. If nothing changes in your life, what are you manifesting? If you don't talk more like Jesus, serve more like Jesus, love more like Jesus, worship Jesus like it's the last day you'll ever be able to breathe in your life, then what was that manifestation for? Shout all you want, dance all you want, flop all you want. But there better be transformation in your life to back that up. I, I love you, but I'm saying that to encourage you, to inspire you, to, to go for the transformation first. Chase Him, not what He can do for you. Chase Him. Somebody say chase Him. Chase him. Samson. Samson got himself to a place where he saw a woman in the valley of Sorek. Her name was Delilah. Samson had a relationship struggle. He found this girl. He told his parents, I've got to have her. The valley of Sorek. He saw this girl. He said, I've got to have her. Goes to her house, knocks on her door. Hey, Delilah, you want to go out for some coffee? Or whatever it was. She's like, no, nah, I think I'll just stay home. What you sit on this big couch right here? You're a big strapping guy. Why don't you sit down? Why don't you sit down? Let's talk for a few minutes. Samson sits down. She goes, um, can you tell me where your great strength comes from? What he didn't know is she, already made, she had made a pact with the enemy to take his life. He thought he was in some kind of love triangle because he felt a little something on the inside that was like, ooh. He had this, he had this surge uh, to, to merge, you know, kind of thing going on. And uh, he's like, oh, my gosh, I just got to have this girl. She's so attractive, you know. She's like, hey, sit right here. Where do you get your great strength from? Would you tell me? He's like, uh, yeah. If you'll, like, bind me up with some bowstrings, I'll lose all my power. She goes to get bowstrings and wraps him up. You know the story. We just read it. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. They fall off. She's like, Ugh. Second time. Um, could you just tell me like where your strength comes from? Yes, if you take ropes and bind me up. Tied him up. Philistines, the Philistines, they're here, Samson. He jumps up. <laughs> ropes fall off. <clears throat> Third time. Come on, I thought you loved me. Tell me. Give me a weave. Give me a weave. 
weave my head up, I don't know, just do something, braid it, do whatever you got to do. I lose my power. Braids his hair, puts it in the pen, nothing. But she pressed him so hard daily, daily. Tell me where your strength comes from. He said, um, you really want to know? I want to know. If you shave my head, I'll lose all my power. Seriously? Come on now. Seriously. She lulls him to sleep on her lap. They shave his head. Samson wakes up as was the other times he thought he would wake up and have his power. The Bible says he jumps up and his strength left him. The Spirit of the Lord had left him and he did not know it. I believe that's the status of most churches today. The Spirit of the Lord has left them. Not because anything He's done is where, where we've put our heads. It's where we've let our heads and our hearts go. The Spirit of the Lord had left them. And He jumps up. He has no power. I said, God, this cannot be true. If the power was in His hair, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. How am I going to do what you call me to do? If the power was in His hair... I'm in trouble. God, you've got to be kidding me. They shave his head, he loses his power. And I begin to study the Nazarite vow. He was a Nazarite. He made a vow to the Lord. Him and his, his mom and dad, they made a vow to the Lord. I will taste no strong drink. Boy, that'll preach in this day, won't it? I will touch no strong drink. I will touch no dead thing. And I will let no razor upon my head. Three things. Samson, as a, a young man, picks up the jawbone of a donkey and slays thousands of men. He touched a dead thing. Strike one. Bible says he throws a party. In that day, he throws a party, a massive party. They all come to his house. Well, everybody knows that in that day in the Old Testament, anybody that throws a party, a banquet, the one who throws that party and throws the ba banquet has to toast. And the one who hosts the party and does the toast has to drink first. Second strike. He touched a strong drink. When that razor touched his head and they began to shave his head, the third strike, he broke that vow. And the Lord began to speak to him. He said, Marty, the power was never in his hair. The power was in his commitment and his vow to me. He made a commitment to me. And as long as he fulfilled his commitment... And his end of the bargain, I fulfill mine. But it's until he broke that vow, the Spirit of the Lord left him. The Bible says they took Samson down to Gaza. They gouged out his eyeballs. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. This is the generation, your generation, my generation. doesn't matter if you're 4 or 40 or 84. If you're breathing, this belongs to you. This is the generation. This is the, the group of people that are alive where the enemy is trying to take your vision. If you can't see what God has for you, you'll never receive what He has for you. You have to see it first to be it. You have to see it. Helen Keller, they asked Helen Keller, what's worse than being blind? And she said, having sight but no vision. This is the, this is the day where the enemy is trying to take our vision. They gouged out his eyeballs. The second thing, the Bible says they, they bound him in shackles, bronze shackles. They bound him. The Lord spoke to me. He said, not only does this generation and this 
the church today have no vision. The second thing is they, they, they bound him. This is the most bound generation to walk planet earth. Bound by pornography. Bound by addictions of nicotine and alcohol. Bound by video gaming. Bound by this and bound by that. We're just so bound. Samson was bound. Braun Shackles had him bound. This generation, so bound with anything you can think of, we're bound, addicted to food, addicted to a perfect image, addicted to social media. My God will spend all day scrolling, 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 scrolling. But we won't spend five minutes in the Word saying, God, speak to me. I just want to know what Sally's doing with her cat and a tutu and it dances. I, I, I gotta be, I gotta be involved in Shark Week. It's Shark Week. I gotta watch Shark Week. I don't have time for the Lord. I gotta watch Shark Week. We're bound by everything. It's the most bound group of people ever on planet Earth. We're bound. Watch this. I wrote this down today. As a matter of fact, the enemy is okay with you being a believer as long as you're a believer who's bound. Believe all you want to. The enemy, does, he's not afraid of you by believing in Jesus. He's not afraid of you for that. He says, keep believing, just be bound. Be impotent as a church. Be impotent as a minister. Be impotent as a small group leader. Just be bound. Lead your little devotion. I'm okay with that. Just don't lead with power. Have secret sin. that nobody knows about it. It's okay. Listen, you can hide it from your pastor, but you can't hide it from the master. He sees it. But the enemy says, as long as you're a believer and bound, I'm okay. I'll leave you alone. I'll even bless you a little bit as a believer. Just be bound. Just don't come to the altar. Just don't get baptized and get stuff out of your life. Just be bound. (laughs) So not only did they gouge out his eyeballs, took his vision away. They bound him in bronze feathers. They they, they bound him. He was bound. And the third thing, this one messed me up. The third thing that they made him do was grind grain in the prison. Samson was forced to grind grain in the prison. Now I thought, Lord, what does that have to do with anything? What's the big deal? Why would you put that in the Scripture? I believe every sentence, every word in the Scripture was, was put there on purpose, for purpose. I said, God, what's the purpose in that Scripture? What's, what's the big deal with him grinding grain in the prison? And I, and I began to study and, and research and found that grinding grain in the prison was a job that only the women were allowed to do. Only women were allowed to grind grain. Never a man. Never a man. Never would you see a man grinding grain in the prison. But that's what they made Samson do. The Lord spoke to me. He said, Marty, the enemy would love to keep people shamed. If he can keep you in shame. If he can just keep you feeling so unworthy and so shameful. Just full of shame. Woe is me. Oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're a saint filled with the Holy Ghost, hopefully. That's who you are. Come on. Made him grind grain in the prison. They mocked him. The, the strongest man to ever live. They mocked him. Made him grind grain. Can you imagine all the other men laughing? He's the first man to ever grind grain in the prison. Here is the strongest man of God to ever walk planet earth. Now he's grinding grain full of shame. The enemy doesn't care how much you believe as long as you're bound and if he can keep you in shame. 
All He wants to do is keep you in shame. You can't receive because you're in shame. You'll never receive the flame of God because you're, you're in shame. Step out and say, God, if you created me, if I'm alive today, Jesus died for me, bled for me, I receive your salvation, I receive your deliverance, I receive your power, I receive everything you have for me. That's when you open yourself up to the power of God. <laughs> Samson, strongest man to ever live. And here's one more thing I want to add before we close. Samson, the strongest man to ever live. If she had to ask him where his strength comes from, if he were 6'8", full of muscle, wouldn't it be obvious? Where does your strength come from, Samson? I picture Samson as about 5'6", 130 pounds soaking wet. Puny. Or else, why would she have to ask him? Why would anybody have to ask him? If he was the size of Goliath, everybody would know that's where his strength comes from. They had to ask him because he was small, he was puny, he was weak. But yet when he did things, he did extraordinary things. For us, it doesn't matter how much you know, it doesn't matter how much schooling you have, that helps, that's important. But God can use the weakest of you to flip the whole thing around and empower you in such a way that when you pray, mountains bow down. When you worship, the, the Lamb of God sits down in the room with you. doesn't matter how big or how old. He wants to move in power. And here comes Samson. No eyes, bound, and shamed. And he said, hey, little boy, come here. Can you put my hands on the pillars of this temple? And he begins to turn some things around. And he says, oh, man, I've done it. I've violated my commitment as a Nazarite. I realize why the Spirit of God left me. Because I left Him. I left Him. I turned away from Him. And He says two words. Samson, I imagine, turns his head and gaze toward heaven. He has no eyeballs. But listen, you can see more with your eyes closed than with them open. If you get close enough to the Lord, you'll see more with your eyes closed than you do open. Samson looks toward heaven with no eyeballs and he says, remember me. And the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came right back in immediately. He pulled those pillars down and killed more of God's enemy on one day than he did in his entire life. You can do more damage right now as an 84-year-old man who's still breathing. And if you'd say, hey, Jesus, I want everything you have for me. I lay everything down that's of the flesh. I just want all of you, the great exchange, all of me for all of you. Then you'll do more damage in your last days than you did all of the first 84 years of your life. I believe that with all that's in my heart. Criminal on the cross, Luke 23. He said, He said, if you're the son of God, take yourself down off the cross and save us. Save yourself and save us. The other one said, hey, we're guilty. He's not. He looks at Jesus and he says two words. The same two words. Remember me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Two words. Remember me. You know, the, the words remember me is not in both of those scenarios, Samson and the criminal on the cross. Remember me, that phrase. It's not, hey God, you forgot about me. Do you remember my name? Do you remember who I am? 
You remember, hey, I'm Samson. It was not in a, God, have you forgotten who I am? It was, God, I'm broken. Put me back together. I have been dismembered. My body's been dismembered. My mind has been dismembered. Things don't line up the way they used to. Help me. Fix me. I'm broken. God, remember me. Put me back together. This is a generation that is so broken, so shameful, so much hidden sin. And God says, if you'll reveal it, I will heal it. If you'll get it out there in the open, I can heal it. But if you keep hiding, if you keep hiding that thing and tucking it away, you don't expose it to the Lord. If you don't expose it, God can't close it in your life. And you'll carry that thing. And you'll be a believer, but you'll be bound. You'll be ineffective. My God, can we just get to the day where we say, hey, it's, this is who I am and this is what I have going. Here's my junk, Lord. Here's my dismembered self. Can you remember me? Can you put me back together? I've got I to close with this. You've you got to see one of the most powerful things I have ever witnessed in my life. I have seen some incredible things with people get in the water. A man gets in the water by himself and he says, I'm believing God for my marriage. Weep and say, I believe God for my marriage. I don't want a divorce. And we're this close. We both got our forms and our lawyers. We're just waiting to sign our names and turn it in. He said, but I'm in the water. I want my marriage to work. I said, then we, we set our faith with your faith. We baptized him, prayed for him, ministered to him. Two weeks later, he's back in the water with his wife. They not only get baptized, they renew their vows in the water in Dawsonville, Georgia at the North Georgia Revival. Now they are both attending the revival, bringing a kid. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. We've seen some things. We've seen some things. We've seen stage four cancer bow. You saw the pictures last night of Lorraine Barge. We've seen it. But I've also seen something I have never seen in my life. Showed the picture. This little girl. Her name is Blair. She's from Marietta, Georgia. She's 12 years old. She gets in the water with her grandmother. She says, My left ear, my left ear is deaf, 100% deaf. And something happens this night, this evening, that that picture doesn't say. But I want you to hear with your, with your own ears. I want you to see with your own eyes what God can do if we just come to Him with childlike faith. We'll close with this video. Can we, can we play that? If we just get somebody on the keys while they're playing this video, that'd be awesome too. May have to pull the lights down just a little bit. I don't know if we can. What's your names and where are you from? I'm Mary Boyles and I'm from Cartersville. This is my granddaughter Blair Robertson from Marietta. Uh, I'll let her tell you that. Because I'm deaf in my left ear, I lost it in first grade and I really and I'm hoping to get it back. ADHD also. How'd you lose your hearing? It was a really bad ear infection and the doctors misdiagnosed it and I did and no one treated it. 
misdiagnosed it and didn't treat it. You love Jesus? I love him with all my heart. He's got treatment. He's got the treatment. If God can heal her, she, he can heal me. Yeah. So, Miss, you're talking about Miss Lee Clark, the lady with stage four cancer. You said what now? If she, if she can have stage four lung cancer, then God and God healed her, then God can definitely heal me.
entire baptism took over probably about 15 minutes but there was a moment in that baptism when Jesus stepped in it was not about man it was not about water he showed up like he promised from the first grade she was 12 Sunday night she was 12 from the first grade 100% death in her left ear nerve damage killed the ability to be able to hear until the moment when Jesus steps in I begin to whisper in her ear send the fire send the fire Send the fire. Send the fire. I was in her left ear. Send the fire. She began to repeat. Send the fire. I got softer. Send the fire. She'd repeat it back. And you see it in the video. The moment she realizes. She begins to weep. never seen that in my life never been that close to a miracle other than the rain barge and some of those things but a deaf ear popping open what doctor can do that what man has that kind of power but the son of man Jesus if you stand to your feet all over the room Tonight, in this moment, there are many of you that may be broken. Maybe, maybe you're not deaf, but you have other broken things in your body. Things that aren't 100% the way they need to be. Maybe you've got a broken relationship with the Lord. You used to walk with Him like Samson did. But then in a moment, the Spirit of God left you or you, you feel like He left you. He never left you. He's never, he'll never leave you, never forsake you. But maybe you've walked from Him. There's a broken relationship. Maybe you have no relationship with Jesus. Tonight's your night. I'm talking about the man who walked on water, the man who could open deaf ears and blind eyes and cause the lame to walk and to save the world from their sins. That kind of Jesus who loves you so much. That all you have to do is say two words. Remember me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's how powerful he is. So all over the room, heads up, eyes open, and everybody looking around. 
I think so many times in church we say hide, go to the back room, get tucked away in a closet, and then we'll lead you to Jesus. No, we're going to lead you to Jesus with your head up, eyes open, and everybody looking around. Well, I don't know if Jesus wants to hurt my feelings. He doesn't. I promise you, Jesus does not want to hurt your feelings. He wants to kill them. He wants to crush them. Ah, I don't want Jesus to hurt my pride. He won't. He'll crush it. Because it's not about you anymore. That's why he said count the cost. Take up your own cross. Follow me. Follow me, Jesus said. If you're in this room, heads up, eyes open, everybody looking around. If you would say, I have no relationship with Jesus Christ. A friend invited me here tonight. I didn't even know why I was showing up. But I feel... I feel something. Caught up in my sin. Tried it my way. It's not working. I wonder if Jesus would remember me. He'll put you back together. He'll put you back together. If you'll expose it, expose your need for Him, expose your brokenness, He will step in and repair it for you. If anybody in the room would say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but tonight I choose Him. I choose hope. I choose peace. I choose Jesus over everything. My life for His life. Anybody in the room that would say, tonight I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, pray this prayer. Heads up, eyes open, everybody looking around. Say, Jesus, I choose you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. I turn from my wicked ways. I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. My life for yours. Jesus, remember me. Remember me. Anybody in the room that says, I prayed that prayer and I meant it with all my heart. I just gave my life to Jesus Christ. Let me see your hand. Just wave it in the air. We want to pray for you. I want to minister to you. Anybody in the room that says, I was born again, come here. Come here. Can we pray for you right now? Anybody that just lifted your hand, come here. We're going to pray and minister to you. from the Lord I want to come back home before I went before I get in the water I want to meet the one and restore my relationship with the one who walked on it broken areas in your life not where I need to be with Jesus listen don't ask God to send revival to your church ask him to send revival to you make, make it personal anybody in the room that says I'm broken I want to be put back together Jesus remember me yeah, we know you're born again. You're a believer. Well, let's come out of bondage tonight. I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to that. Who are you? Step out. Step out into the aisle. Let this, let this ministry team pray with you. Anybody that would believe God and be bold enough to say, I need to be repaired. Jesus, remember me. Step out. Come on. That's it. Come on. Altar team, if you'd come. Ministry team, if you'd come. Never be the same, my friend. Never the same. You need prayer. I'm broken. I need Jesus to remember me. 
We'll be, we'll be baptizing in just a few moments, but let's spend some time in this altar getting things right with God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Heal my broken heart. Mend my broken life. Move in power, Jesus.
Hanoi.